Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. I um, just wanted to share something that's going to be quite succinct, uh, but something that I just want to encourage us with uh, from Joshua. And uh, as you know, we've been in Joshua for, for a few months now, the book of Joshua, if you've been coming here regularly. And uh, Joshua's been a really uh, good book for us to look at together. And uh, I particularly want to today, you know, we've been hearing a lot about the faithfulness of God. Sarah shared last week about the faithfulness of God and the, the goodness of God towards us and the, the benefit of that. Stefan brought a prophetic word last week about God's presence being a stronghold for us, a place where we could be safe and secure. And um, there's a lot of references in Joshua to households. And uh, it was probably about six or weeks ago, maybe, that Deborah shared about Rahab. And this household, this woman who extended hospitality and revealed something of God's heart for welcoming in strangers and seeing their lives touched and transformed by God's power. And uh, Joshua is a book of households. It starts with a household. It ends with a household. It starts with Rahab's house. It finishes with Joshua's house, saying, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. There are other households in there. But I want us to look, particularly this morning, at the cities of refuge in Joshua 20. And um, I don't, I, there's a, 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 a photograph taken during the time of Joshua. So that one's taken from 1400 BC. That's why it's a little bit faded. But um, God made provision in the nation of Israel for specific cities that people could run to and escape those who are seeking to bring about revenge on their lives, to avenge the death of a loved one. And um, in Joshua 20, we read about these cities of refuge, and God had spoken to Moses about these cities back in Deuteronomy 19. So there's parallel verses in Deuteronomy 19 about provision of cities of refuge. Just a little bit of context about the cities of refuge. Um, when the nation was, was divvied out to all the different tribes, they were given plots of land and territories to take within the land. One of the tribes of Israel, the Levites, they didn't actually get their own land. They instead were essentially scattered throughout all of the other tribes because they were the priestly tribe and their job were, was to work as priests in and about the nation of Israel. So they never got their own land, but instead they were given cities that were theirs, that were given by the tribe that owned that territory. They gave this city over to the Levites to live in and they helped them. They, they gave them food, they gave them um, their crops and, and everything else, they blessed them so that the Levites could give themselves to being priests on behalf of the nation of Israel. And the Levites were given 48 cities dotted throughout Palestine. So, so Israel is about the size of Wales, so there were 48 cities dotted around. I always get broader when I say Wales, I don't know how I do it. And, and out of these 48 cities, God then designates to Joshua six cities that had become cities of refuge. And essentially, they're places of escape. So here we have the cities of refuge. Up there in the north, uh, Naphtali there, we have three cities to the west of the River Jordan. So the River Jordan kind of cuts down there, past the Sea of Galilee, down to the Red Sea. And then we have three cities to the east of the River Jordan. And in the north, you have Kedesh. In the center, to the west, you have Shechem. And in the south, to the west, you have Hebron. And then over to the east, Golan in the north, Ramoth-Gilead, Ramoth, in the, in the center there, and Betza uh, in the south. And these were allocated to cities. And can you see how they're spread out? The idea is, if you had accidentally killed somebody, 
you could run for your life, literally, to one of these cities. And when you read in Joshua 20, you'll see this. These cities were always available. It didn't matter what time of day it was. It didn't matter whether it's a holiday or whether what time of the year it is. Those cities were always ready and waiting for those who were trying to escape vengeance and death. Always available. Always looking out to receive people who are literally on the run. Always available. And they were always accessible. You can see how they were placed throughout the land so that if you, something happened in the south, you had somewhere to go. You had some, somewhere centrally, you had somewhere to go. And there was a provision in uh, Jewish history. We, we read back and, and we see that actually the roads to the cities of refuge were twice the width of all the other roads. And they were conscientiously maintained. They were smooth. And in fact, these roads, if they went through valleys, the valleys were raised up. And if they went through hills, the hills were lowered. And if they crossed rivers, bridges were built so that these cities were totally accessible. And not only that, on crossroads, signposts clearly marked on them, refuge, refuge, this way. And you'd scarper. Or you'd ride or you'd do whatever you could to get to this city. And when you got there, you were received into this city without any question at that time. And in that place, then judgment was to come about. And because these were Levitical cities, the high priest would probably act, along with other Levites, as the elders there to bring about a judgment of whether what you did was manslaughter or whether it was murder. And if it was murder, you were sent back out. But if it was manslaughter, you were protected from those who actually had a right to take your life for the person in their family that you take, the life that you take from their family member. And so these were really important places. There were places that were safe, they were places that were secure, they were places of rescue, and not only that, they were places of restoration, because if you were found to be okay to live there, then when the high priest passed away, you would be free to return back to your hometown, and while you were in that city, you were safe as houses. You were fed, you were looked after, you were given a home, you were accepted, you were treated with great hospitality, even though you were a total stranger. Cities of refuge. And the wonderful truth is this. Here's the thing. We are all guilty of manslaughter. Every human being is responsible. You may not have nailed Jesus to the cross, but it's because of our actions that he was killed. And we're all guilty of facing a penalty. And we're all guilty of facing the death penalty, but Jesus himself is the city of refuge. Here's the thing about Jesus. He's always available. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's made himself accessible. He came to the earth to save us. And that when we come to him, he comes to us and we find our lives in him and we're safe and we're secure and we know rescue and we know restoration. Isn't that wonderful? If you've experienced that yourself, can you just give me a wave just to get the air moving in you and to designate the fact that you've done that? He's our city of refuge. But here's the thing, and this is what I want us to look at. Our homes, our households, our groups, this church is and can be a city of refuge. There are people on the run. There's an enemy that's out to seek, kill, and destroy. And God is saying, will you be available? Will you be accessible? Will you be a place that's safe and secure, a place to rescue and restore those who are running for their lives? And I say, yes, Lord. Let that be us. Let that be my home. Let that be our group. Let, let that be this church that we will be willing to be a city of refuge. 
And I just want to very quickly go through each of these cities by name and just talk, pull out some things that are relevant for us. The first city in the north to the west is Kadesh. And the word actually means a holy or a sanctuary. And here's the thing about our homes and our groups in this church is that we are consecrated. That means we are set apart for the Lord. Did you know this? That our lives now, in Christ, we've been made holy. And that means that everything that I have, all the normal, neutral, natural things that I have, I can give them to the Lord and they can become consecrated and holy and dedicated to God. Your paycheck, it's neutral when it comes to you. Any money that you receive, any items that you receive, your home, your family, people around you, the relationships that you have, they are neutral. And when they come to us and God says, be stewards of this, then I say, Lord, I'm choosing to dedicate this to you. And in, the, in so doing, it becomes consecrated, it becomes holy and set apart. Isn't that wonderful? That the 20 pounds in my wallet can be actually made holy. Holy money. That the relationships I have by consecrating to the Lord become holy. That our home becomes a consecrated, holy place. Set apart for God, saying, Lord, this is yours. Mi casa es su casa. My place is your place. This belongs to you. You gave it to me, I'm giving it back to you. Just think about your homes right now. Think about where you live. Say, Lord, it's yours. My home is your home. My house is your house. Consecrate it. And then we move down to the center, and we come to Shechem. And actually, Shechem means to, uh, just means a back or a shoulder. For me, as I read that, I just thought about support and strength. Being helpful. Do you know that our homes, our groups, our church, we can be a place, we are, we are a place of help. I know many people here, you are a source of support and strength to those in the community, to those in the church family. I want to honor you for that. There are things that we do here that are supportive and bring strength to others. And it is so right that we do that because we're a city of refuge. Yes, we're consecrated, but also we're a help. We're helpful. I love that. Just to be helpful for God, helpful for others, to serve people, to support them, to care for them. Just to be helpful wherever help is needed. We're consecrated and we're helpful. And then Hebron, in the south to the west, means association or community. And for me, I was reading about the sense of unity and togetherness, a place of gathering. That our homes, our groups, our churches, a place of gathering. In Hebrews, it says, don't give up the habit of Meeting together. Don't give up the habit of getting together, of gathering. It's a good thing to do. And that as we gather, we express unity and covenant and togetherness as we have done today. And I believe that there's a great sense of, of unity among us. But I just want to say this. Unity is not just including others. It's also not excluding yourself. Unity is not just including others. It's choosing to not exclude yourself. Don't Write yourself out. Don't say, I'm too different to be part of this. I'm, I'm not like them. I'm not like him. I'm not like her. I'm not like the other. No. You're here to be who God has made you to be. Be that and be part of the gathering and bring your, what God has given you to the mix. We need it. Your church needs you. We need one another, don't we, to gather, to express covenant and togetherness. That we're consecrated and we're helpful and we're a place of gathering. And then we go back up to the north. And we get to Golan. And Golan means, it's weird actually, it's got a double meaning. Exiles and captivity, and then their absolute flip side, they're rejoicing. 
Do you know any exiles or people who are imprisoned who happen to be rejoicing? Okay, we weren't supposed to say that, but that's fine. Yeah, Yeah, in the Bible, Peter, Paul, and Silas are worshiping in prison. They're captives. But actually, we're here to set the captives free. We're here to be a place of transformation. Do you know that our homes, our groups, our church is a place of conversion? Conversion is this word. It almost sounds a little bit old and and a bit dated, but actually it's, all it speaks of really is transformation. Yeah. The people come in exiled and locked up and bound up and in captivity, and they leave free and rejoicing, giving thanks. What a transformation that takes place. That happens where? In the cities of refuge, in our homes, in our groups, in this church. And then down to Ramoth, that center, central point to the east. Ramoth means the heights. God wants us to consider our homes, our groups, our church to be heavenly. The kingdom of heaven is here. This is where God's glory rests. This is where the presence of God is experienced and known and encountered. And that can happen in our homes. It can happen when we gather in our groups. It can happen when we gather here on a Sunday morning. That we're a heavenly people. But I want to say this, and I know you know this, that we're lofty, but we're never aloof. No, Jesus was the son of God, but he was never aloof. He touched the leper. He sat with the tax collectors. He talked to the prostitutes. He helped those who were sick, the others that had been cast out of society. He was the exalted one, and yet he was willing to embrace them all and transform them. And then lastly, in the south, Betza, which means gold, gold ore. It also means fortress. But there's something about our home. Your home is a blessed home. I want to, could you say that out? My home is a blessed home. Could you say that with me? My home is a blessed home. And maybe turn to the person next to you and say, your home is a blessed home. Yeah. To quote John Weeway, your home is golden. It's blessed. And our homes are to be a place of blessing, that we're, but we're blessed, why? To be a blessing with the most generous people on the planet. Oh, so many people think Christians are tight-fisted, miserable so-and-sos. Well, it's time for us to change that stereotype because it's nonsense. We're the most blessed, the most heavenly, the most consecrated, the most helpful, the kindest, best people on the planet. And our homes are where we live. So our homes are places that express all of those attributes. Our groups, when we gather, we express those things, that when we gather together, we're generous. And then when visitors come, we welcome them with open arms. And we don't know where they've run from. And in a sense, we don't care. We just say, here's a city of refuge. Here's a place that's available and accessible, a place that you'll be safe and secure, a place where you'll be rescued and restored. And so just the last slide is this, and I'll finish. Now, paired up these places. So you've got, oh, did you go back? Sorry. So I've, I've paired up the north, northern ones. I keep wanting to say northern in a northern accent, which is just silly. As a, as a one pair, and then the central as a pair, and the third in the south as a, as a pair. Because they're contrasting, but I believe they just come together these, as parallels that are helpful for us. So, yeah, thanks. If you could pop the next slide up. But this is just what I want to say in closing. You know that we might be consecrated but we're willing to accept those people who need conversion. We're not holier than thou. 
but actually we're willing to accept anybody, an exile, a captive, and bring them into freedom. Consecrated, yes, but welcoming to those who need conversion, who need transformation, who need restoration. And people are going to come from messes. And we have to be willing to say, you know when Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, those who crossed the road to avoid ministering to the man who was in a mess. Jesus said, there's nothing holy about that. That we're helpful, that we're very practical, that we're very real, but also that we're heavenly at the same time. That you can be practical, but you can be inspired by the Holy Spirit so that what we do practically is empowered by Him, and boy, is it transformed. And then all of a sudden, the natural things that I can do become supernatural in our homes. And that we're a place of gathering, but also as we gather, and then we do this, I believe, really well. We're a place that is so welcoming and generous and willing to bless those who meet with us. So I just want to encourage us today that our homes are cities of refuge. Your home, my home, is a city of refuge. When we talk about the groups, think about your group as a city of refuge. And don't give up the habit of meeting and gathering. Get engaged with a group. Really throw yourself into a small group. And when people come through our doors here on a Sunday morning, which is only part of this, that we are all those things to them as well as I know that we are. So I just want to encourage you this morning about what your home is, about what we represent to the world around us. We're a city of refuge. So Lord, we just say everything we have, Lord, we commit to you. We give it over to you, Lord. We dedicate it to you. And Lord, I thank you that you are a God of restoration. You're the God of transformation, the Holy Spirit, everything that we need. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by human ability, but it's by you, Holy Spirit. And we ask that you'd anoint each person, each home, each household, each parent, each child, each adult, Lord, that we would just know your empowering Spirit of God. And this week, we would be those cities of refuge to those who need to find restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.